Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Peller, and happy Thanksgiving week to you and your family, the holidays. Forcing a little different setup to our show this week as uh, Juan stepping out. It's been some family time but it also brings john back the great john marchin and i of course gonna guide you through this as just the two of us through the pod as we comb through all things florida state boston college dan mullen firing what a fun time in gainesville also gonna get john's thoughts on the miami program my picks and of course thanksgiving week also means it's rivalry week so florida state versus i guess dan mullen's former team in gainesville if mike norvell won't say it maybe i won't say it either Florida. There, I said it. I'm sure many of you will be sharing the dinner table with those Gators fans this week. So good luck with that. Of course, somehow it's your program that's in a better place than theirs. Just one year removed for the Gators being legitimate playoff contenders into December. Just amazing from Dan Mullen. Really so inspiring. Now we've got a battle for bowl eligibility. But before we get to that, we'll focus on the Knolls. They're now five and six on the year. Victory at Boston College, 26-23. Dominant first half leads to a, a, a nail biter in the second half, but uh, they got it done. And part of that, of course, was subpar officiating and, and an offense that stalled out. But, John, anytime you can go on the road in conference and get a win, you, you got to be happy with it. And FSU was able to get it done here. Oh, yeah. I definitely have to uh, eat some crow here. I, uh, I think I was may- maybe the only person on Top Mike Nation who picked FSU to lose. <laughs> um, it did, it did almost happen. Thanks. Thanks to the refs. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, it's fan. It was a sod game. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime you can go on the road as an underdog and make an opposing fan extremely upset about taking a pair of scissors to some grass, you got to do it. Uh, <laughs> you just <laughs> every time, uh, little souvenir. So no, it was fantastic. I thought, um, it, it, you know, the, the year long or season long improvement of this defense has been a lot of fun to watch. Maybe perhaps sure my has. favorite storyline of the whole year, really, right? Um, you know, even especially once we saw against Jacksonville State, you know, we had a lot of discussion and talk and words like rock bottom being thrown around, things like that. You yeah. know, guys not giving effort for the players is what we heard, right? For the players to say that they wanted Adam Fuller, defensive coordinator, to smash the rock after the game. Uh, that yeah. was. That was a pretty, pretty wonderful moment. Uh, I, I know he thought so. Um, this defensive line, man, uh, they they get after <laughs> it. This is not the Boston College offensive lines of old. I, I still kind of am in that mindset from, you know, 10 years ago when, when these BC uh, offensive lines yeah. were just fantastic, you know, routinely putting guys in the league. Uh, clearly that's, you know, the days of Adazio uh, are long gone. Um, so yeah, that was, 
absolutely dominant performance. I also have to give a shout out to Akeem Dent. I think he made ACC defensive back of the week. Uh, he sure finally did. got himself an interception. The whole uh, experiment with him last season at corner uh, was kind of always a head scratcher. I, I'm not going to ding the staff too much. You know, you're trying to figure out these guys. COVID really, really screwed with their evaluations. But uh, obviously his his growth as a safety this year um, has been a lot of fun also to watch. So, yeah, I guess that's my bottom line about my takeaway for this defense is the player development, right? We yeah. talked before about how Florida State still struggles with, you know, some talent. Obviously, Kalen Deloach is coming along, Akeem Dent. This defensive line all been reworked through the portal. Uh, cannot give enough uh, accolades to Jermaine Johnson, Keir Thomas, Fabian Lovett. Uh, Robert Cooper, now even Malcolm Ray has been coming on the last couple of weeks. So the player development is something we haven't seen at Florida State for the last five or six seasons and uh, since since the end of Jimbo Fisher's time. So that's incredible to see, um, especially doing this on the heels of the Miami game. This program is obviously going in the right direction. Again, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, progress is not linear, but this is this. You have to be excited, right? You have to be excited. Absolutely. And you mentioned, you mentioned all the names and I've got, I've got all the stats to back you up. So we'll start with Akeem Dent, as you mentioned, ACC DB of the week, you had three tackles, a pass breakup. And of course the game winning interception there at the end, which say what you will. I mean, he kept the guy from the ball and went up and got it. That's a game winner seals it. That's just, like you said, the improvement at that position is so great over the whole season. But you know, if you're really going to pinpoint a spot, it's gotta be the defensive front. And I just had to stat, load away from me and there it is I found it Dan Siegel hopefully I'm saying that right ACC content this one I saw in our Tomahawk Nation chat earlier leading ACC defenders and pressures from week 12 Keir Thomas miles and away from everyone else with 13 on his own second place seven it just also happens to be Jermaine Johnson so the two of them combined for 20 pressures that, that's more than any other defense in 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 the ACC, and it's just two guys on the same team. Obviously, Thomas was the big star this week with the seven tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks, five hurries with two more that probably could have been sacks. He was right there. I mean, they were they were a wrecking crew, and I feel like it almost became where you watch if, – if you're Boston College and you sit down and you watch the tape from the Miami game and you say, we have got to block 11. If you see 11, send a second guy over there. And you just let four eat you alive on the other side. It, it's one of those where, where it almost felt like they they overcorrected to make sure they didn't get chewed up the other way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they really did dominate Boston College up front. I was a little, wor- a little worried about this. Uh, what was his name? Jerkovic. I apologize if I mispronounced his name. Uh, Jerkovic. I, I honestly <laughs> Jerkovic, have no idea. I think, yeah. Jerkovic. Okay. I honestly have no idea. Anyway, uh, he destroyed Georgia Tech last week. Uh, so yeah. I was a little concerned about him. I know he'd been hurt. Uh, the Boston College guy, uh, Patel, I talked to from, from BC Interrupted. I thought that their four game losing streak right in the middle of the season was all because he had hurt his wrist and was out. And, yeah. you know, and then he comes back from injury. You're like, okay, well, you don't really know what he's, what he's going to be. And then he just does whatever he wants to the Yellow Jacket defense. And so I was a little concerned, right? Uh, but no, uh, Florida State dominated them up front. They they annihilated this kid, uh, hit him every play. I, I honestly believe, too, with a couple of the guys in the chat that 
that I think that kid might have been concussed. Um, they hit him several times, hit him hard. He was obviously uh, uh, shook, missing yeah. wide open passes. He just didn't look the same. Uh, so hats off to the defense for being the physicality they brought, the attitude they brought. Uh, it's something that we haven't seen at Florida State in a long time. That the pride, like, you know, Norvell seven weeks ago, what was it or whatever, after Jacksonville State had talked about uh, setting that Florida State standard, making these kids uh, practice that way every single day. You know, this is what we're going to be. You are not going to accept anything less. And it's obviously worked. I, how, we thought early in the season, especially after Jacksonville State, you know, maybe there's still some issues with, with the, the culture. You know, we, we talked to Willie Tacker coming in, had to change it. Then we said the same thing about Mike Norvell. Now it looks like they really have. They've, they've, you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, football teams don't have their issues. Who knows? And there could be something around the corner. I don't know. But for right now, as of this moment, that looks like he's fixed. Mike Norvell's fixed the culture at Florida State and that the program is trending in the right direction. And as much as we talked about, like you mentioned, the rock bottom after Jacksonville State, I mean, we had some people calling for, for Fuller's got to go and, 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 you know, down the list, uh, Dillingham doesn't know how to call plays and, and who's calling the plays. What's wrong? It, it, it's, it's quickly turned around with the, the growth of the defense. So that side of the ball seems at least progressing and, and you've got to be happy with where they're at at this point. Obviously you're going to lose some of that talent going into next year, but when you look at the offensive side of the ball, if I'd have told you that Jordan Travis threw the ball 34 times in this game before it, I'd have told you they lost either that, or he hit a couple down the stretch and they stole it at the end. I just didn't think that would be a recipe for them to win. Um, I don't think it really was what they wanted to do, but the way that second half started to slip away from them kind of forced it, but they still found a way to find enough offense and, and be explosive enough in the first half to put it away early. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Um, you know, look after, after the Notre Dame Jacksonville state or whatever the, the other game was, I can't even remember now. I thought <laughs> that, you know, cause we were told all off season, Jordan Travis has developed as a passer, right? We're going to see him take that yep. next step. I thought after the first couple of weeks of the season, we had been sold a bill of goods. I didn't see it. Um, you know, part of that too, is like Milton going back and forth, you know, Travis didn't really get the, you know, the reps, but it's pretty clear now, obviously the sample size is large enough. Uh, and I can't, I can't, discuss enough his uh performance against boston college this weekend he was because that's the other thing that gets me just like what you're talking about right this offense has to be explosive in order to score they have to and if defenses sell out to stop the run or you know they're having a little bit of success uh, shutting down florida state's passing game like what happened against miami at the end of the game i said in the slack group this team is going to need a deep pass in order to win this game, they're going to have to get that explosive play through the air. And they did it. Travis, they got it. They made it happen. Uh, but in this game against Boston college, I thought Travis was fantastic. He threw several dimes, especially deep down the sideline. That's something I've been really, really impressed with him this year. Um, and again, once you get to a sample size like this, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 games, you can't ignore it anymore. I think he's got what 15 touchdowns of one interception on the season. He, he still frustrates me a little bit. You know, sometimes he doesn't he doesn't want to throw in rhythm, especially in the intermediate passing game. But there's no denying that, that he can read and throw deep balls down the sideline right in a bucket. You know, he should have even had another yep. one to McLean later in the game that I think McLean lost in the sun. But 
Jordan Travis can throw. He makes good decisions. Um, and his growth this season, especially as a passer, has been very fun. I, I can't talk enough about it, again, because the talent at receiver still isn't very good. It's still one of the worst, if not the worst, in the ACC, right? Um, but in the offensive line of pass protection, you know, you got some injuries there. Darren, Darius Washington went down. So the fact that Travis is doing what he's doing or, you know, did do against Miami and, and Boston College uh, with not a whole lot of talent around him in the passing game is spectacular. Um, I, you can win a lot of ball games if you're explosive on the ground and you don't turn the ball over. And I think Mike Norvell's found his guy to do that, his kind of uh, approach to the game. It's working right now. Um, but I do have to point out, I know we were talking about this right before we started recording. Malik McLean's touchdown catch. Can we can we talk about that? <laughs> we sure can. I, I was ready to give you. I literally wrote down. Let John talk about Malik McLean's <laughs> touchdown. I'm so excited for this kid, man. Uh, him going to high point that ball because it looked like that that throw might have been a little long, right? Um, out of yeah. the back of the end zone. I thought the DB at first uh, might have had good position, but McLean just goes up there and and he says this this ball's mine, and. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it was unbelievable. I'm real, real excited about that kid's potential. I think he's already uh, the best receiver on this team. I've said that several times this season. I don't think he has quite the experience of other guys like uh, yeah. uh, Wilson. I know Keyshawn Hilton's been out a couple of weeks, um, a limited role, but I, I really Where? like McLean, man. I, I think um, I think he's the future. Uh, I think he's going to be a leader in that room for several years to come. I can't wait for Norvell and, and Dillingham and, and hopefully Dugans to uh, get some more talent in there with McLean, you know, kind of develop those guys, uh, get a little bit more explosive in that room, get some guys who can, who can separate a little bit more often, but man, just seeing again, player development, McLean, uh, hopefully coming into form, uh, maybe yeah. we'll see kind of a breakout season for him next year. That'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, and look, I mean, it's only one catch for 15 yards. So, I mean, it's not it, – the consistency still needs to be there. But, I mean, like you said, it was a great catch to go up and high point that ball in the back of the end zone. But you said that the it looked like it was overthrown. The defender was on his back outside shoulder, and he just went up and just took it. I mean, just – you know, you want to use the word snatched out the air because, I mean, that's exactly what he did. And, and talking about those those deep, longer longer pass plays, where, where we've really seen the growth, what you knew you needed – when you had the rushing game they had was finding those 20 plus yard passes. I mean, I was just looking at it a second ago. They've only had 34 on the season. So it's not like they were super explosive. They're middle of the pack. But I mean, if you just look at the passes this week, you had 41, 26, or just passing longs like Ontario uh, Wilson, 41, McDonald, 26, Douglas, 22, Treshawn Ward, 21, Jay Sean Corbin, 20. The, the Malik McLean pass was only 15, but he caught in the back of the end zone. So, I mean, it was really like 25, 24. I mean, they're finding they're finding those 20 plus passing plays with more regularity as the year goes on. It's a shame that they have one, maybe plus one game still to go. But I, I, I really can't believe we're sitting here from where we were in September. Of course, Wake ended up being a lot better than I think anyone anticipated. Right. But to sit here at five and six and four and four in conference, I, I mean, hats off to them. I, I think, you know, you talked about the progression and the growth, and I think it's another one of those examples where 
everyone was ready to, to, you know, fire Norvell. I don't know if everyone was, but there were many who were saying, look at his record versus, you know, what, um, boy, a name just fell on my head. Willie Taggart was in his time at Florida state. And, and I, I think you've seen as time has gone, having the ability to let those guys grow coach just, I mean, we've talked about it all year. They don't have the talent level behind the starters to really be that competitive, but they are competitive. And that's all you can really right. ask is, is give me a watchable product that every Saturday has a chance to win. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, well, and like we talked about, I mean, this, this program's obviously, remember I wrote that article a couple, a couple of months ago that, that it was way too soon to talk about fire Norvell. I mean, yeah. look, look at, I mean, what's happened. Uh, they just needed time they need, and they still need more time, right? This program still needs more time, but uh, you're absolutely right though. Going from 0 and 4 to 5 and 6, you have a chance to beat another rival who is, who yeah. looks to be on the downswing. You do that. You go to a bowl game. Even if you don't though, even if you don't, it's a be a disappointing finish to the season. But you still won five games. You still show clear improvement over last season. Yeah, the Jacksonville State thing still hurts, right? Because you would be bowl eligible already. Um, but at the same time, like Juan said a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I think you did too, was if you don't lose to Jacksonville State, you may not be where you are right now, right? Sometimes yeah. you you have to get worse before you can get better. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, off- the, it's the butterfly effect. If you change one thing, I mean, who knows what's different? Right. Right. So uh, I'm just, uh, you have to be thrilled. I think at this point, even, even if you lose the UF game with, with uh, as dysfunctional as Florida is right now. Um, and, and that state of flux of the programs, they will talk about it in a second, but even if you lose, you still have to be, this is a successful season for Florida state, right? We said this was the lose a little year. They've actually won a couple of big games, right? They beat North Carolina as an 18 point underdog. They, they beat Miami as an underdog. Now they go on the road to uh, Boston College and they win there as an underdog. Yeah. So they did have a couple lose a little games, right? A couple one-score losses. Uh, but the other thing, too, about, about the passing game, that I, wanted to, I wanted to mention this about the passing game and the explosive plays was I've been so pressed about how clutch they've been, right? right? Maybe they've only had, you know, 30-something this year, but that big pass, uh, I think it was Ja'Kai Douglas in the, the Notre Dame game, like we just talked about a minute ago, the big pass in the Miami game that they had to have so they could score uh, and come back and win that game. They found a way to get it done when you had to get something right. Uh, and they, they like to bring it right down the wire and give us all, try to give us all heart attacks. But, but uh, I, again, hats off to Jordan Travis, that kid's a gamer. Uh, he's a warrior. I know he's not healthy. I don't, I don't really honestly don't think he's been hundred percent healthy even maybe only one game or a couple series this whole season, maybe not even that. Uh, so he's obviously the starter going forward. I think you have to be really, really happy about that. I know they're going to bring, hopefully they can keep AJ Duffy, but with Chubb and Purdy gone, I thought maybe going into next year, he would, they would compete for the starting job, but with Purdy in the portal, that's done. Travis is your guy. And yeah. uh, I think Florida State could do a lot worse than him. Yeah, absolutely. He's a, he is a good to great college quarterback. I, I, I don't want to, you know, think I don't want anyone sitting around thinking he's winning the O'Brien or anything, but I mean, he's a, he's a very, very good college quarterback. He's very fast, great with his legs, 
it gives you the ability to play with that eye candy in the backfield. And, and if you, if you miss him, he's gone. And, and, and that is the explosive element that you'd love to have in college, especially on a team that needs that explosive element. And, and when you've got that at the quarterback position, it, it opens up so much more for you. It's how, you know, we've seen Louisville succeed with that for, for years with Cunningham and, and back to Lamar Jackson. That's basically kept them relevant having that element. Right, right. I like obviously Travis has flaws, right? But but I think yeah, I think if you improve the talent around him, right, get get a little bit better pass protection, maybe an offensive tackle in the in the portal, uh, maybe you can recruit some some more talented receivers, maybe get one out of the portal that that can contribute right away. Uh, I I definitely I agree with you. I think that you could see Travis become an upper echelon conference quarterback, maybe in the top four or five quarterbacks in the ACC. He may already be be pretty much there. Um, or close to it. So, and the ACC's got a lot of really talented quarterbacks too. That's, I mean, Van Dyke's turned out to Tons. be pretty good. Pickett's ridiculous. Howell, you know, Armstrong. He, yeah, Armstrong. Um, so it's a it's a tough competition, but I think if you put a little bit more talent around Travis, I'd love to see how far he could take this team. Um, again, he still does some things that frustrate me, but you're right. You know, he changes the numbers on offense. He makes you explosive both in the run and pass game. And uh, I'll be really excited to see what, what they do with them next year. Yeah. And then look, I don't want to overhype where, where next season goes. I mean, if you look at the five wins, you've got a three point win over Syracuse, a three point win over Miami, a three point win over Boston college. And, and you can easily say one bounce in all three of those games, maybe, maybe you're only two and nine, but it hasn't gone that way. And so at the end of the year, when you're talking to the recruits and you're talking in that realm, you can sit there and say, we're five and six, we're, five and seven or four, six and six, seven and six, six and seven. I guess we find out this week against Florida, but before we actually get to the game, I, I do want to go straight to the state of the Florida program because I asked on the pod two weeks ago to you and one and said, is Dan Mullen coaching for his job? And at that point it was, well, no, they fired Todd Grantham and I forget the name of his offensive line coach that Juan had at the ready, but they fired them and that's the scapegoats and we'll move on. At, at the time I said, I just, if the, he's coaching three games for his job and I said he has the ability to make me look stupid because they're playing Samford, Missouri, and then obviously FSU, which if you're a Florida fan at that time, you're sitting there going check, check, check three down the row. And we're sitting at nine months at the end of the year. Well, that didn't work. Uh, Dan <laughs> Mullen uh, nearly loses to Samford. He does lose to Missouri gets uh, clowned by Eli Drinkwitz. If I got the name, right. I'm sorry. It's Missouri's yeah. coach. It's just not worth it. Uh, but, I mean, it's just a tremendous fall from grace for Dan Mullen, and he's already out before the year's over. And, and I don't think anyone really could have expected that, especially uh, late September when they had a two-point loss to Alabama and everyone was willing to crown them just on the losses. One of college football's best because they almost got the tie. And I think we've learned maybe Alabama isn't quite as good as we thought, and obviously Florida isn't. Uh, John, I want to lay this one at your feet before you, you come in and, and, and deliver your thoughts. So it's uh, we're recording this Monday night during Monday Night Football. It's November 22nd. So last year's first college football playoff rankings, because they started the year late, came out November 24th. Might not have been the first. I think it was the first. I remember correctly from my, I'm looking at my notes now. But it, that, whatever. You get the idea. November 24th, Florida is sixth in the country at six and one. They lose to Arkansas. I'm sorry. They lose to LSU on the infamous thrown shoe game. (laughs) 
they lose to Alabama in the SEC title game when they fell after losing LSU. I think they only fell to seventh or eighth. Still had a shot, outside shot at the playoff. They could beat Bama. Couldn't. Out. They get beat by o- OU and are five and nine since that start. Five and nine. Uh, hard to believe from where they were sitting number six in the country, not even 365 days ago. And, and I wanted to put this one on you. Last one. I said five and nine since that game. The five wins, FAU, USF, Tennessee, Vandy, and Samford. You got a rental win, three rental wins, and then Tennessee and Vandy, who are both basically the SEC East's rental wins as built into the schedule every year. That's just, I mean, what a collapse at Florida. Yeah. Uh, are you saying those ones aren't impressed? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so USF might be the best one. Oh, my God. Um, oh, what a. I can't. I try to collect Tennessee. my thoughts here because. <laughs> I have so I mean, many. Look, <laughs> I they have so they many. obviously lose. They obviously lose Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony guys. Well, I mean Trask isn't playing in the NFL on Sundays, but you know every week you, you're seeing Pitts and obviously Tony's playing right now for the for the uh, Giants. And you know these are guys who are NFL caliber players. But if you're recruiting like you're supposed to, this type of fall doesn't happen. I don't disagree with you. Um... I guess, yeah, because I guess where my head's at is it's obviously 100% on Dan Mullen. I think, see, you can have a bad year, especially after going to, you know, conference championship game. You can have a bad year and, and still keep your job, right? It shouldn't be one year, you know, burns you. But it was how Dan Mullen, the things that he said and did this year, you know, with, with the criticism – he brought this on himself in that way. He basically forced the administration to fire him. This is why we talked about for weeks that he looked like a guy who was trying to get fired, which I don't think is a great career move, especially, you know, for a guy who flirted with the NFL and, and appears to want to go to the NFL. It's not really how I would go about getting an NFL job or yeah. any other coaching job. Uh, but he looked like a guy who did not want to coach there anymore, was not interested. I guess – the issue with the recruiting, though, is the bottom line, right? I think that what he had built there was, like you said, a house of cards. Once you lose some first-round, second-round talent, it didn't really have the talent behind that to to reload, for example, right? Because yeah. recruiting's out there. So the house of cards, it was already coming down, right? I, I think, to your point, it was already crumbling. And I, I think that Mullen had proved himself this year through the things that he said that he was not going to be able to be the guy to fix it. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's kind you, of a sh- – I mean, I'm not complaining as a Florida State fan. As a college football <laughs> fan or Exos and O's fan, it's kind of – I mean, he's a good coach. He really is. Uh, but the recruiter's not there. He's pretty goofy. And uh, I think that those just did him in in the end. I, I, I honestly – it's, it's kind of baffling how he, how he approached and treated things, you know, laughing after losses, blaming the players for it, uh, saying he didn't want to talk about recruiting when we all know – the recruiting is a 24 7, 365 job. So yeah. I, I, I don't get it, to be honest with you. I, I didn't think that, I mean, 99% of all coaches get fired, right? But I didn't think that his tenure would end like this. Uh, he was the coach I was most afraid of uh, Florida hiring at the time. But again, I'm not, I'm not complaining. 
the whole program's yeah. in dysfunction. I, there's articles being written about about how dysfunctional it was. Like you you said, we talked a couple of weeks ago. I said that his tenure there was untenable uh, because of these things that I'm talking about. I still thought that Florida was going to let him finish out the season. So the fact that they wouldn't even let him do that, you know, uh, woof for the, for them. Yeah. Well, and it and it to, to that effect, it seems like they they either know who they want next or 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 who they they think they need to get next if, if they're moving so quickly. Though I don't know. I mean, you're not announcing it in the next five days, and there's no reason you couldn't have gone back channel conversations to find the guy you want. I don't think Mullen with the win over Florida state, if that were to happen, had he stayed, I don't think you couldn't fire him at that point. I, 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 I think to me that speaks to enough off field issues. And we're not talking urban Meyer type off field issues. We're talking the, the lack of recruiting, the, the lack of, um, but seems like focus inside the program. You know, we're not, we're not talking scandal here, but, but the things that go into winning and a winning culture where I think the athletic department was looking for that excuse to do it, where you could get universal agreement that he should go. Because if he does win, there, I just drew my pen, but there could be a conversation around, okay, Sure, we went six and six, but like you said, we were in a conference championship last game. Maybe Emory Jones didn't come on like we hoped, but you know, one more, let's give him a year and see how it goes. And I think there had to be enough behind the scenes to say, okay, this is a problem beyond what else is missing on the field. And I and I do think to to the rumors of him looking to the NFL last offseason was enough to rub. Florida boosters and the important people right. over there enough the wrong way to say, okay, if he's willing to get out of here immediately and we've got a chance to just get rid of him now, let's just get rid of him now. Of course, it continues to pay exceptionally well to be a bad college football coach to <laughs> all the pay, all the buyouts across the country. But I'm mean, right. looking at this from ESPN right now. And it's, um, you know, that they lost another top 300 recruit today um, in Isaiah Bond. He's the fifth decommitment since October 20th and the second since Dan Mullen got fired. I mean, you know, I, I, I will get to the candidates right now in a second, but it just, it speaks to the issue that whoever they do hire has to come in and, and scramble to repair a, a, a roster that, that is seemingly and surprisingly and almost impossibly, like you said, like a house of cards that just collapsed. And, and there's a, there's, a severe lack of talent around the program and the spots that we're used to seeing from Florida. Yeah. The, well, right. And that's my thing is I, I think if Mullen had treated the season differently and said different things than the, than what he had said throughout the year, he'd still be the coach, but yeah. he didn't. Um, and again, I don't know if it was hubris or he, the fact that he just wanted out or whatever the deal was, but to your point, I, I do think that we probably going to hear more, about how dysfunctional that program really has been behind the scenes. Cause like you said, that is a good word. This has been a pretty spectacular meltdown for a program that seemed last year that it, until Marco Wilson threw a shoe that it was fine. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was top of college football. Right. So I'm just, you know, I'm happy. <laughs> 
a little surprised uh, from where I was before the season. I'm not surprised uh, that they lost to Mizzou and that he got fired. Uh, But, but if you'd asked me 12 weeks ago, I I would have said no way he gets fired after this year. So even as, like you said, especially after he fired the two uh, Grantham and and the offensive line coach, I think it was Hevesy. Uh, he fired those guys basically to save his job. Everyone said, okay, yeah, you know, now he's obviously going to get another year, but he's got to turn this thing around. But then, you know, like you said, whatever happened behind the scenes and then you lose to Mizzou and then that was that. So very, yeah. very fun. Uh, like I tweeted <laughs> on, on uh, the other day, the ESPN article about Florida State being in a deep, deep hole, sending back to Jimbo Fisher came out almost a year ago this week. And yet now Florida State is the most stable of the big three programs almost exactly a year later. So that's pretty fantastic. It's pretty exciting to be a Florida State fan. You hope that Mike Norvell can take advantage of it. Uh, Again, Florida State's still trying to climb out of that hole. But uh, if you ever wanted your program to try to catch on an upswing, it would be as your two rivals are apparently crashing into the dirt. Yeah, and I'll jump in right there. I mean, to look at Florida and, and just, you know, you could give me one. You don't have to go through the whole list. But uh, the, the candidates who seem to be emerging, and, and this one, I, I, you know, as a Louisiana guy, I feel like has picked up very quickly from, from what I can see is Billy Napier at, at Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns down there. He's at a um, – I forget what conference they're in at this point. Are they in Sunbelt still? Whatever. They, you know, he's got a – as a perennial top 25 team somehow, uh, former Alabama assistant. Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, uh, Iowa State's Matt Campbell, Mark Stoops at Kentucky, somehow Bob Stoops, the former Oklahoma coach, is named Luke Fickle. But, you know, the intriguing thing there is Cincinnati appears potentially playoff bound if if the ball keeps kind of bouncing their way as we go towards the end here. And then that throws in, are you waiting until January to actually make that higher? And then Alabama offensive coordinator, former Penn State head coach, former Texans, GM, if you want to call him that, slash head coach Bill (laughs) O'Brien as the list. Um, Obviously, they're competing against LSU, USC, Virginia Tech, maybe Miami. I'll ask you about that in a second. But is there there a candidate on there that you you think they're leaning towards or that that you just kind of have an interest in? Yeah, the three names, I think, in particular. One is definitely Napier, right? Former Clemson assistant. He was at Alabama for a year. Uh, Like you said, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, I think, head coach right now. Uh, he could be a problem, although maybe LSU, you know, tries to go after him with him already being already in the state. Yeah. Uh, the one that I think would scare me the most, but also has the most boomer bunch, uh, boom or bust potential would be the <laughs> Lane Kiffin. Uh, yeah. Lane Kiffin would scare the crap out of me, just like Dan Mullen, uh, scared the crap out of me at the time. Obviously, it didn't quite work out for Florida the way that they wanted. But Lane, Lane <laughs> would scare me. Uh, his offense is extremely fun. I don't know if you guys have uh, watched Ole Miss this year. But yep. but that, even go back to FAU, that, you know, Lane Kiffin, again, another graduate of Nick Saban's School for Wayward Coaches, uh, his, <laughs> his, rehab, his rehab program. He goes to FAU, blows the doors off there, gets the job at Ole Miss. Obviously, Lane seems a little bit more mature than he was. Uh, with his Tennessee midnight USC escapades back, back a few years Whatever ago. happened with the Raiders. Yeah, and, you know, that crash and burn thing. So Lane seems more uh, mature. He seems ready for a big-time job. UF hiring him would scare the crap out of me. Although, again, 
there's the big potential there for it to blow up in Florida's face, which would be also hilarious. Um, then I think Luke Fickle, yeah. Luke Fickle, I think, would have an extremely high floor at UF. Um, by the way, I try not to watch the playoff shows because they'll just make me mad. I they're feel like that's for, what they're there for. They're made for TV. Right. Jam. That's exactly what they're made for. So I try not to pay any attention to them. However, I will go ahead and say that I think the committee are a bunch of cowards for not putting Cincinnati in because what's the yeah. point? You know, if you're going to go to yeah. four, um, like, like if you're only going to pick two, two, which I'm actually okay with, if you want to go back to two teams, that's fine. Whatever. Uh, you pick obviously the most talented teams, right? But when you're going to do four and a team is undefeated, uh, like Cincinnati, I don't really care that they're a group of five. Put them in. Let's have some fun, right? And they went on the road to Notre Dame and, and handled them pretty well. Right. And Notre Dame, they're not elite, but they're a really, really good team this year. So they're uh, sitting top, top seven, I think it is. I mean, yeah, right, yeah. I mean, they'll be top six or seven when the rankings come out tomorrow. Right. A solid top 10 team. So, uh, Put Cincinnati in, stop, stop screwing around. Let us, you know, even if they get blown out by whoever the number three team is or four or whatever, I don't care. Put them in. Uh, so if Cincinnati doesn't get picked in the top four, I think it's even more of an argument for 12. I think that'll be inevitable because people are going to be extremely upset, including myself. Uh, I, I think going to 12 solves the problem of it diluting the regular season but I digress. Um, so those are the guys that scare me. Uh, Bill O'Brien could be interesting uh, with his NFL pedigree. Um, but really, I think yeah. if I'm Florida, I go after Napier, Kiffin, or Fickle. What about you? Yeah, I, I think it seems like the name, and obviously I'm an, I'm an LSU guy, so the names are all the same, right? I mentioned LSU, USC, Virginia Tech, all kind of in the same pool. It seemed like Virginia Tech, moved off Fuente, the, the word almost immediately was that they were firing Fuente to come get Napier. Um, the problem there being, it seems like Florida did the same thing, um, was the way that the smoke around Louisiana seemed to change real fast was last week all I was hearing was, yeah, Virginia Tech's going to come get Napier. I don't think LSU is interested just on that end because I think it's that little brother thing with LSU and UL where they just don't want to even acknowledge that UL has a coach who might be good. <laughs> it sounds incredibly stupid and petty and stupid, especially right. if Napier ends up being one of these elite coaches. But I don't think they ever want to give UL the that that satisfaction. Um, but I I was surprised at how quickly the winds changed from Napier's Virginia tech bound to Florida being a possibility. Um, I rolled my eyes at Bill O'Brien as a potential LSU coach and same when, when he seemed to come up for Florida, but as I rolled off his resume, he did do a really good job in rebuilding uh, Penn state post uh, Paterno scandal, Sandusky scandal. And, and the, the, what seemed to be, not the death penalty, but relatively close up there. I remember those teams being competitive. And I think he gave Franklin the base to be successful there. That's kind of kept him afloat from where they were. So that could be concerning as well. Um, I, I, I'm still trying to figure out how Bob Stoops' name is coming up for jobs. But, yeah. I, I, mean, I don't I, consider, I I don't consider Bob ones. Stoops a serious <laughs> no, I think that's one of those he, he appears in the thing. And, and on Kiffin's front, 
I've I've long since pushed for Kiffin to be the LSU job because as easy as offense is seemingly to find in college football nowadays, uh, LSU could not find it. Uh, so the one year we've actually had an offense, we were like the best team in college football history. So <laughs> I, I have pushed for him to go there. I think he's a fantastic hire because it, and in a weird way, it almost feels similar to, and I don't know if this comparison makes a lot of sense. I might've been too young to understand it fully, but, but to like almost like a young tiger woods versus a, a renaissance version of tiger woods, where it seemed like he was Mr. Know-it-all can do it all hair on fire can just do whatever he wanted as a, as a wonder coach and kept failing upwards because of it, got to the top of the ladder and collapsed. But, you know, kind of like when Tiger came back the second time, it seems like he's found like, oh, wait a second. I can just do it like this and it makes more sense. Like more composed. I don't need to be the hair on fire, climb to the top of the mountain as quickly as possible. Just take care of my stuff and I'll be fine. Almost like an older basketball player too. Or maybe I'm not as quick as I used to be. But I know now I could just kind of slide my hips a little bit and take a charge without actually having to get around you or get in front of you. It's that type of, of growth from Kiffin. Um, well, it seems, me, though, that Florida's moving quickly. Go ahead. Yeah, well, right. I think that was part of like what you said, because even, you know, we've seen in the early signing period, right? You fire a coach after the end of the season, you only got two weeks. You know, you yeah. hire them and then it's a week and a half, two weeks before early signing day. So, yeah, I think we might start to see coaches get fired before the end of the season now a little bit more often, kind of give them a yeah. little bit more cushion to try to find somebody and, and do that. But for me, Kiffin to LSU would easily believe e- – I can't talk to it – easily be the most fun outcome for me, right? Because yeah. I don't mind LSU as a program. I think Kiffin would do well there. I think it would be a lot of fun to watch. And also he's going to poke Florida – uh, instead of poking we, Florida we, State. We play Florida up. every year. Yeah. Right. So uh, that would be, for me, the most fun outcome. Uh, if I had to guess, though, based on what happened with Dan Mullen, I almost think that their athletic director, Strickland, uh, might go after someone safe. If that's yeah. the case, the top three guys would be James Franklin. I could see that. Luke Fickle yeah. or Bill O'Brien, right? Yeah. Uh, he may try to do some guy that he thinks with a high floor who might be safe, um, who he knows has been a head coach for a long time, like, like Franklin and, and has kind of kept it steady. Although he's not very good. He's not good. I mean, I don't think Franklin's ever going to win a national title at Penn state, but you know, he's not collapsing like what Mullen did. So yeah, realistically, I think that's what they're going to do, but I, I'm also kind of wish casting there yeah. that, that Kiffin ends up at LSU. Cause I, I think that would be just amazing as a college football fan perspective, just it's what I want. I, as a Christmas present, just give it to me. Okay. Cause I, we all need it. Yeah. Well, I, it, you know, it seems like regardless, UF appears to be moving very quickly um, to fill this is, is what the, the tea leaves seem to be. I don't know if they're trying to race Virginia tech to the Napier hire or, or, or what it is, but the word out there seems to be they're moving quickly from what I'm hearing out of she was there planning to move very quickly when the season's over because I've seen Ogeron talking originally. He was like, well, I might coach the bowl game. And then yes, today and over the weekend, he was saying, well, you know, I think we'll have a transition before then and the new coaching staff. So it sounds like, you know, over the weekend into maybe this time next week, we're seeing a, a lot of new coaches. I mean, for now, Florida's new coach is Greg Knox, who's their interim coach. And he talked today about you know, crazy 24 hours and, and uh, you know, 
how emotional it is to, to see, you know, Dan Mullen fired out of there. But I honestly, until me and you sat down for this, for this conversation, had never heard of Greg Knox. So I really don't know what to expect from Florida on Saturday. Um, I, I, I know it's a rivalry game. We've seen Emory Jones play basically every snap last week. Uh, Anthony Richardson, I remember after the LSU game, when he, Anthony Richardson looked fantastic, it was the conversation was, why hasn't Dan Mullen been starting Anthony Richardson all along? He's clearly the better guy. And it seemed like coming out of last year, the, the hope was Emory Jones would be that quarterback, and he just hasn't. Uh, it's one of those weird scenarios where, where obviously Greg Knox has the opportunity here to kind of just do whatever the hell he wants, quite frankly. I mean, he's got one game to coach Florida in a rivalry game at home where he's still a favorite. I don't think if he loses, it's, it's going to hurt any future prospects he has of getting a job. So, I mean, that, that is at least moderately scary, you know, and a team where you have really right. no, no idea what to expect um, and a coach who really has nothing to lose. But I think if you're Florida State, you're in that same boat. Um, you really don't have anything to lose. You know, a five and seven season is still successful from where you started. And, and quite frankly, a win is a, a huge boost um, to, to look around the state of Florida and figure out and see exactly where you are. I'll get to it in, in Brian's bets coming up. I'm, I'm going to make the pick my pick on this game. But I, I, I don't I don't know what to make of Florida. I really don't, uh, as they've now basically just given up on this season, which they still have a game left. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I I don't really don't know what to expect from them either. My this is what I'm guessing, right? So um we've seen teams who have their coaches fired. Uh you know, interim guy steps in for Florida State not too long ago, Zoda Higgins. I I think that Florida is gonna come out and play hard, right? It's Florida State, yeah. you have a chance to go to a bowl game. Bowl game means you know a trip, some free stuff, uh, yeah. you know, a little bit more time with teammates, extra practices. So you can get better. Uh, I think that Florida is more talented than Florida State, obviously, still. Uh, and I do think they're going to play hard. However, I don't know how Florida is going to game plan for this because you're right. They lost their head coach. They lost their offensive coordinator. That's really what Mullen was. They've lost their defensive corner, Grantham, Todd Grantham, who got fired, and their offensive, offensive line, line coach. coach. Right. So I don't know who's going to game plan for Florida for this game or what kind of game plan they're going to come up with. Who knows what they're going to throw at Florida State. Um, but I do expect the Gators to come out and play hard for for the pride uh, with the bowl game on the line. I do think that if FSU is able to get up a couple of scores that we might see Florida quit. I think if uh, if Florida gets up a couple of scores, I do not expect FSU to quit. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they're, they're going to play hard for Norvell for 60 minutes. Uh, he's now will accept nothing less than that. We've, we've seen that. So, yeah, I don't know what to – I really don't. Um, but that's my guess. Uh, I, th I think that they're going to come out and play hard, but if FSU can get up a couple scores, we may see, we may see the Gators just go ahead and quit. Yeah, and, and you know, like we said, we, we really don't know what to expect from Florida. This actually cracked me up. I saw it on Twitter earlier. It's from at AG underscore Noel 8387. If, hey, if you're out there listening, I mean, thanks for, thanks for tuning in. I don't mean to clown you like this, but it's just hilarious. It's a tweet directly at Adam Fuller, and it says, we should be ready for the possibility should Greg Knox decide to play Anthony Richardson, parentheses 15, 
instead of Emory Jones, parentheses five. They look different with AR. Congrats on the win, BTW. Beat Florida. I mean, I just love the idea of, of the fans being like, hey, man, watch out. They might play that other guy like the DC <laughs> wouldn't know. It's just it's one of those we're in such a weird position with this game that they don't even really. It's like, hey, by the way, DC, make sure you're checking out that other quarterback. But but yeah, I it's a weird spot for Florida. Well, but let me if you're oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no you go ahead. Florida State, if you're a Florida <laughs> State fan and you want to feel good about anything. Norvell is not letting them go in head tanking. Obviously, you're on a two-game winning streak, but he wants it. Like you could tell in the way he was talking during his press conference today, they want this game. I mean, it's huge, like you said, for the extra practices and beyond. But he was talking rivalry, and as I mentioned in the, in the opening, he wasn't even going to say Florida today. Like he didn't even say Florida, didn't say Gators. I mean, here's his quotes: "If you don't get up for this one, go somewhere else." Quote, I love, I love the rivalries. It's what I've been looking forward to. Very first day of fall, I talk about two games. I talk about Miami, and I talk about this one. He referred to it twice as this one, which is hilarious to me. But he wants it. And, and I think with the momentum around Florida State and the lack of momentum around Florida, I really wouldn't be surprised to see a pretty strong Florida State contingent at this game. And, and you know, if – that can carry over. And like you said, if you can jump out ahead early, I, I, it really wouldn't shock me despite being a worse team talent wise to go in there and, and really put it on them. If you're able to jump out ahead early. You, you think Norvell wants it. I, I want this game. <laughs> I, I, I want this. I mean, look, Fuller, this defense has been, they're playing at a very high level for their, for their talent level right now. Uh, so you have to give a lot of credit to Adam, Adam Fuller there. I'm not, I'm not going to go there and touch, touch that tweet. I will say this, though. Uh, this would be one of my favorite wins in program history if they beat the Gators and go to a bowl game. It would have been sweeter if Dan Mullins was still the coach, but I'm, I'm, it doesn't really change it that much for me. To start 0-4, right, and to yeah. win, I don't know, it was at what point, five of their last seven. Now I guess it's six. Of, is it six of the last eight now? Or I mean, six no. of their last eight. It would be Is six right? of their last eight. Yeah, would um, you be zero and four? You yeah, six of their last eight. Yeah, yeah. To oh yeah. So to start zero and four and win six of your last eight, and to go to a bowl game, and to deny your rival that same, you know, bowl game opportunity would just be unbelievable. It would be an incredible, incredible season, a, a giant. Sh- cherry right on top of the the fantastic Sunday that would be the season. I know I wouldn't shut up about it all off season. I, I'd be unbearable on Twitter. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I do have a little bit in common with the guy. I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> I, no, I, I, I mean it when I say that I really, really want this one. I know Novell does. I, I hope they, I hope they get it. I know these kids are going to want it real bad after beating Miami to have yeah. the chance to be in state champs after starting on four. You kidding me? Um, so, and it's definitely, definitely doable, right? I think with Florida open is a yeah. two point favorite, uh, in Gainesville. So, yeah. So if that's, that means that's a coin was, toss on a neutral field. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, if it was in Tallahassee, I think Florida state would be favored, uh, by a couple right. of points probably. So, uh, absolutely. This team can do it. I really, really want them to, uh, but who knows, you know, yeah. One one turnover could make UF quit. You just don't 
you don't know. And I haven't really gotten a chance to watch Florida as much as I wanted to. A lot this season, a lot of their games were uh, on TV at the same time as FSU. But uh, you know, Emory Jones doesn't scare me. Anthony Richardson doesn't scare me. Um, the defense. Copeland is the receiver that right. kind of like the watch out for him. But he, I mean, obviously, I watched the entire LSU Florida game, and he was pretty non-existent. And that was when. You know, I know everyone will probably like, well, well, Derek Stingham, well, LSU was missing six DBs, I think, for that game. And I yeah. mean, even then, he was still non-existent. Well, like if we could say that this Florida State team is not the same team that played Jacksonville State, I would argue that this Florida team is clearly not the one that played Alabama. The one that played Alabama. And almost yeah. won, right. Are they still capable of that? Maybe, but but they don't have any coaches either. So when your running back coach is your, is your interim head coach, again, I expect him to come out early and play hard but after that i just who knows um but i really really want this one this one will be pretty sweet but I, I can't again i can't emphasize enough that if fsu does not get the win this weekend uh it's still a very, very successful, successful see right yeah well all right i'll pin you down before we run into brian's bets last week Juan gave me 20 seconds per pick so i'll do 20 seconds for you florida state plus two and a half at florida what you got uh, I don't really know how this betting thing works. I'm going so, to. I'm going to say Florida State, State is. If Florida State wins, then you're fine. If Florida win, if you pick Florida State, Florida State wins, you're fine. If Florida wins by two or less, then you win. Or if Florida wins by more than three, you lose. I mean, I'm taking Florida State. I think they're going to win this there game. I, I could say I don't know what the over under is. I'm going to say FSU wins something like. I don't know, maybe 26, 21 or something, or 20, 26, 23. Well, just like the Boston College score or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have this. I don't have the over under written down. I've, I've already locked it in for this week. Uh, Florida State plus two and a half is one of Brian's Brian's bets for the week. That'll be in uh, my Thursday and a Friday, my Friday morning article. I read it Thursday night. Um, but yeah, Florida State plus two and a half. I've already got my units locked in on that one. If you're, if you're one of my fellow degenerates on the Hard Rock app, uh, here in Florida last week I went two and two out of three two and one uh, I gave you Florida State plus two and a half locked that one in early I think it moved to three and a half um, which would have made which wouldn't matter anyway they still won or no I think it slid from two and a half to one and a half it didn't matter they still won it was plenty fun I, I thought about a money line on that one but I'm a coward if you wanted to go money line Florida State this week you might as well uh, I gave you Louisville Duke the Thursday night game as an over because I didn't think uh, Duke could hang with Louisville it was 60 and a half I said the only way they're getting there is if Louisville scores 60 themselves. They got pretty damn close. And then Duke got a couple of late touchdowns to push that one over pretty quick. Since Louisville had like 40 first half points, that was a real problem. And then I gave you Ohio State minus 19 and a half. Uh, that one was a smash and a half. That was, I mean, we could have just thrown money at that one all day. That was, that one, uh, Ohio State absolutely embarrassed Michigan State. But I thought the writing was on the wall with that one. Ohio State has the best passing offense in college football and Michigan State has the worst one. And that's not exaggeration. They're number one and number I think it's 124 or whatever it is. Like Michigan State was allowing 350 yards per game before this, and they had almost 400 against them in the first half. So I'm actually going to go back with the same formula. I'm giving you the Thursday night over. This time I'm actually going over. Last week I think I gave you the under. I'm going Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Thursday night, 61 and a half. I've got that one locked in. I think that's going to be a scoring fest. Lane does not care in any way, shape, or form to play defense. And God knows Mike Leach is going to throw the ball 850 times. Um, I'm sure Malik Polk will score a touchdown, but I doubt they're doing anytime touchdown scores in that game. Uh, I've got Florida State plus two and a half, which I already gave you. 
And I'm going back to Ohio State. I'm following the same exact formula as last week. Uh, I, I just I think Ohio State is on a collision course with Georgia for the championship game. Um, I think the the loss to Oregon earlier this year was everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and they still had a chance to win it there at the end. I feel like they turned the ball over every time I was looking up. Uh, their receiving core is unbelievable. I mean, the three guys. I mean, I, I'm a Saints fan, and I, I sit around and I talk about. I would just like to have one of them on the Saints today because they're better than any, any receiver the Saints have that's not Michael Thomas, but Michael Thomas hasn't played two calendar years at this point. So, yeah, I mean, that receiving core is ridiculous. I mean, with with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and um, uh, is it JSN? Yeah, I, I, they're, they're ridiculous. And I just don't think that Michigan is going to be what slows them down. I mean, eight and a half is, is a large number for that rivalry, but I think the Buckeyes are the best team in college football. Uh, Heading in the exact opposite direction before we do get out of here, John, I do want to give you one chance. Uh, Miami, the program, obviously AD Blake James out. Um, what do you think that means for Manny Diaz? We kind of talked about it a little bit last week where Juan said he still thinks to him that means Manny is going to stay. Um, I kind of shared that I'm, I'm, my only really connection to Miami is I'm a Levitard show listener and uh, executive producer Mike Ryan Ruiz over there is um, – a booster with the program who's been kind of funneling out information. And he was saying that Blake James was out, was going to be out two months ago. And, and that came true. And he was, he's been saying for the last week and a half that Manny Diaz is out next in, in his thoughts. Um, do you, but do you think the, the Blake James move to, to a new coach is a possibility? Is that another, we've talked about that, that transition class issue for them. Where, where do you see this playing out? Obviously, you know, maybe uh, the lack of connections there, but what are you, what are you expecting? Right. Well, yeah, I, def I definitely don't have any inside sources. Uh, well, before I heard that, I was going to say, I, th I think Manny would stay. Yeah. Because if you fire him, this is my thinking. If you fire him, Miami would be the fifth, maybe sixth best program, somewhere in that range uh, available. So you're yeah, not going to get... Virginia Tech, Florida. Yeah. Maybe someone else comes up, but who knows? Uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be more. Right. So you're the fourth, fifth, maybe sixth best program uh, with a job opening. You're not going to get the quote unquote splash hire that you want if you're a Miami fan. All of that speaks to keeping Manny Diaz. Yeah. The especially firing Blake James, the athletic director, because I normally normally it goes you get a new athletic director and then you you fire a coach, right? You, that athletic director, the new one, would get to hire whoever he wants. Miami's not in a good position, I guess is where I'm going with this. They're not in a good yeah. position. Because either either you fire Manny Diaz, you're not going to get the coach that you think you can get, right? Uh, you're going to have to roll the dice on somebody. Um, you know, maybe an up-and-comer, or, you, again, you try to pick someone who's kind of decent, maybe a guy like Mark Stoops or something like that. I, I think Mark Stoops is a good coach, but he's not – no one's going to consider him a home run hire despite the fact that you turned around, turned around Kentucky and built a pretty respectable program. Um, but the issue with it is if you keep Manny Diaz, he's basically a lame duck, right? You know, he's going to get fired. You're going to get destroyed yeah. in recruiting already worse than, than you already are because he's already overly reliant on the transfer portal, which it works for Miami. I get it. Right. A lot of kids, you know, they, they want to go somewhere else. Miami's a cool place. You get to start probably right already away. over 21. Yeah. So I, I get yeah. it, um, and it, it, that relying on the portal more than other teams will on average, it work, it'll probably work for them in the long term, but it's still supposed to supplement 
recruiting and the recruiting there is not good. Uh, but if you fire him now, then again, who are you going to get that's going to? I mean, Miami keeps saying that they want to be committed to football, but I haven't seen it. And talk yeah. is cheap. They say they have the money. They say they want to do it. I think I think all the players being involved and, and whatever I heard about that, all former alumni players, it's kind of a clown show. Um, Sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, so I think as dysfunctional as it appears that, that Florida is right now, I think Miami's in a, in a real mess. Uh, they, they say all the right things. Uh, about spending money and 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 really being committed to football and hiring someone, but I, to be honest, I I just don't see it. So again, it's a pretty exciting time to be a Florida State fan. Hopefully, Mike Norvell and, and staff can take advantage of the current landscape and maybe kind of use it to catapult you a little bit faster than than we thought that they might. You know, we were talking about 2023, 2024. I still think it's the general uh, timeline here but you might be a couple games better than what we had thought, right? Instead of getting eight or nine games in 2023, 2024, maybe now we're talking about nine or 10, something like that. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy and ecstatic that Miami and Florida are, uh, they're, they're definitely struggling on the struggle bus right now. Uh, but we'll have to yeah. see. Yeah. It seems like they're both uh, taking themselves out somehow. Yeah, the, the thought process on, on what he's been saying on, on the Miami AD and head coach hire is the, and this sounds so, not even University of Miami, just City of Miami, that the AD will have a spoken agreement with a head coach as part of the hiring process. They'll hire an AD who already has an agreement with someone to be the head coach. I mean, it, there was anything more Miami than a guarantee from a guy that he's going to have the thing you definitely need. That's going to be there. Don't worry about it, bro. I got it. It's that. <laughs> I mean, what a perfect way to go about it. Um, so we'll see how that one plays out. I, you know, we'll obviously probably get clarity on Manny Diaz's job by next week as well. I'm right. sure there'll be plenty to talk about you know, on the coaching carousel. And of course, are the Noles going to be bowl bound again, Florida state, Florida, it's a noon kick on ESPN. I think I saw that RG3 is on this game, so buckle up for another one of those. He's going to say Monstars about that defensive line about 800 times. So have fun with that. Enjoy Thanksgiving with your families. We'll be back here next week to recap it all. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.